Today we're here joined by Dr. Ali Linquist, who is a professor of surgery at the University of Orebrew and at the Karolinska Institute, and he's also the chair of the Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Society. We want to welcome and thank you for your participation in this podcast for the International Gynecologic Cancer Journal. Well, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Um, the topic that we're going to be discussing today is the subject of enhanced recovery after surgery and the impact that this is making on the field of surgery today, and specifically speaking about gynecologic oncology. Ali, would you tell us a little bit about the principles of enhanced recovery and how these have impacted the field of surgery? Well, enhanced recovery after surgery is uh, a new way of working where um, we're implementing evidence-based care elements in the perioperative and even during the surgical procedure itself uh, to a complete protocol program to make sure that we employ the best treatment elements all through the patient's journey. And we do that by putting together uh, a team of professionals that actually cover the entire patient's journey at every level. So doctors, nurses, dietitians, uh, physiotherapists, and even the management to support uh, this change in how they're working. And we help those teams to actually uh, review and continuously audit what they're doing as far as procedures uh, and um, also the outcomes, obviously. Um, and uh, this has been a, a major change for, um, for surgery in a lot of different disciplines. Would you explain to us a little bit about the guidelines and what role those guidelines serve, and specifically about some of the highlights in those guidelines? Well, one of the things that uh, if you're going to do evidence-based care, you better know what the evidence is. So uh, uh, what we've done in these societies, we've uh, gathered expertise, people who develop uh, care and uh, bring the, the fields forward to actually sit down and review all the data that's out there, all trying to trace down every element that can make a difference for the outcome for the patients and put them together in a very systematic way by grading the evidence and giving recommendations, not only on the strength of the evidence, but also weighing in the good and the potential harm that might be done with, with the treatments to, to put that protocol together. So that's, that forms the basis of what our recommendations are. And where could uh, readers uh, find those guidelines? Oh, they're uh, made available for free, uh, downloadable on the uh, ERS Society website, www.erassociety.org, and you, they're all available for free. Okay. And when considering the uh, items on those guidelines, and I understand that, that there are several, um, what would you say are the most important elements to implement, or perhaps the elements that one should focus on when considering implementing an enhanced recovery after surgery program? Well, Pedro, this is a question that a lot of people ask. Well, and I think behind that question, sometimes it is, well, you know, it seems like an awful lot to change here because there are about 20, 25 elements, depending on which surgery we're talking about, that should be implemented. But in fact, most people have a lot of those elements in place already you know, antibiotic prophylaxis and things like that. Um, but they would like to single out maybe two or three things that they would like to focus on. The problem with that approach is that hospitals do things very, very differently. 
And that means that some hospitals, for them, it's going to be managing fluids, uh, for instance, because other parts of the program is quite well, well done, actually. And in another hospital, it may be pain management. So there is no universal answer. Uh, but if I still need to answer that question, I think one of the things that have made a lot of change over the years uh, since these ERAS programs came around is uh, fluid management with a bundle of things that in, are involved. You know, it, it's about uh, what you do with with um, um, uh, how people eat before the uh, the day before the operation, bowel cleansing impacts carbohydrate treatment, uh, drinking before surgery, and then how you manage your IV fluids, which kinds and how much, and how quickly the patient can drink after the operation. So it's, you know, fluid management is not just one thing, it's a lot of things. And that's typical for the multimodal approach that really uh, encompasses all of these uh, programs. And for those implementing an enhanced recovery program, uh, what are some of the patient outcomes that they should anticipate if compliant with the guidelines of the Enhanced Recovery Society? Well, the great thing about these programs and when you start to implement them, uh, people start to do more things right. They get more of these elements in place, and there's been plenty of data from especially colorectal surgery, but I think we're very soon going to see the same for uh, gynecology showing that the more of the elements you put in place, the better your outcomes are going to be. And the outcomes are very crucial because we're talking about complications, serious complications for patients, which is not only life-threatening when they occur, but actually probably impact more than we think in the long run. Uh, and that obviously also uh, impacts the length of stay and the overall recovery of the patient. So even but also even without uh, any complications, the recovery time, back to normal life again, and those two components put together makes tremendous savings for the hospital, and that's something that we all have to deal with, whether we like it or not. Okay. Um, and um, just uh, with regards to the um, implementation of these programs, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how this is possible, potentially even in developing countries? Well, we're just starting to uh, form a group with that specific aim to see what what our sort of approach can do in developed countries. Um, and I think that what they're going to start off doing is reviewing the kinds of surgeries that uh, are most prevalent, uh, and that might actually be quite different from from what we're seeing in more developed countries. Uh, and then also, of course, taking into account the resources that are available, which certainly is gonna be different in many places. So I think it's, it's, it's bringing in the ideas and the, and the uh, but also looking at the, the possibilities that are out there, uh, both from the good and the bad side. Uh, I think it's too early to say, uh, but I would, I would hope that we can achieve a situation where as these countries are developing, which we're also seeing, that uh, they can avoid some of the traditional care elements that we have been using and that are not actually ideal. Now, on the question of uh, enhanced recovery and the um, applications of the guidelines, is this only for open abdominal surgery or is minimally invasive surgery also a part of enhanced recovery? Oh, absolutely. That's one of the key elements. I mean, this is one of the major 
stress reducers that we can employ. So surgical technique plays a big role in this, and especially reducing the inflammatory reactions. And I think we've all, all of us who have transformed from open to, to minimal invasive have seen the, the revolution that that brings to, to patient care as well. So certainly that's a big one. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, the importance of compliance and how does that impact outcomes, uh, not only just patient outcomes, but potentially oncologic outcomes as well? Well, we're starting to get some uh, data of long-term outcomes. And uh, what we're seeing is an association, not a foolproof, uh, because it's not based on randomized trials, but what we've seen is that in uh, both orthopedic surgery and colorectal surgery that if you have a higher compliance with the, with the with these protocols and alongside of that of course you get fewer complications you also see better survival trends over time uh, which fits very well with uh, a lot of data that's out there showing that if you have complications within your uh, surgical procedure after your surgery, then uh, the risk of dying later on is going to be much higher. And that's something that I don't think that we have been aware of as much as we should. Okay. You mentioned uh, the importance of data and data collection. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what tools are available in order to gather this data and store this data so that one can then evaluate the outcomes of the implementation of their program? Uh, I think data-driven changes are essential uh, because uh, perioperative care is too complex for any one player, uh, you know, surgeon, anesthesiologist, manager, whoever, to actually get a grip of it unless you collect the data. So you need to collect data on process and outcomes and demographics. Those are the key things. Um, and you can do it by setting up your own Excel file if you want, or REDCap, or there are many of these general tools that are uh, very well suited to do that. But what we said in the society some years ago is that how about if we could collect the same data in many places? That could give a, a, a tremendous advantage. So we decided to develop a system that we call interactive audit system. So um, that is used in the implementation to help people see what's happening, but it also forms uh, a quality registry for countries that don't have it. And on top of that, we tailored this system to make sure that we can use it for research as well. So um, we've seen that this has been very useful when we've trained hospitals around the world, and uh, we're just hoping that we can get a lot of units on board for this that will help bring down the price of it uh, we can give it uh, to the low-income countries we just talked about etc so we we hope that that could be a, a useful tool for the future and what kind of metrics uh, does the interactive audit system offer for your day-to-day -day evaluation of your program uh, you get uh, all the things that uh, you normally would need to check uh, complications uh, obviously, and, uh, and but also a system to actually see why you may have a certain group of complications that keep recurring, because it, it can you can drill into the data to see what you actually did with the patients that had that complication, and compare that with those who didn't, and that will help direct your efforts to to avoid uh, certain complications. 
Um, so that that's one of the main features of that system. Okay. And um, where do you see the biggest gaps uh, in terms of the knowledge that we're gathering with regards to enhanced recovery? Where should the future research focus? Oh, there are a lot of uh, uh, the research or the, the, the evidence that we're basing our uh, guidelines on are to a large extent done in non-ERA settings. And as, you know, surgery, anesthesia, perioperative care is developing all the time, and that in itself really raises the demand that we need to redo and reevaluate a lot of the issues uh, that we, you know, would say would be cornerstones in a certain situation. You change a few other things along the line, and then all of a sudden it may not be that important. Uh, one very typical um, issue uh, is the use of epidurals. Very good in open surgery. It's, it's certainly, we still regard it as a cornerstone in, in an ERAS for open surgery, abdominal surgery, and, and others. But with the introduction of a minimal invasive surgery, it's been shown that that's overkill. And in fact, you can, you can have other approaches that are at least as good. Uh, so if you have a good minimal invasive program up and running, you probably should not give an epidural. Whereas if you're still in training and have a lot of conversions, mm, you probably should keep that epidural. So that's a good example. Great. Um, Dr. Lindquist, can you tell us a little bit about the Enhanced Recovery Society? Well, the society is built of... Uh, uh, multi-professionals uh, from around the world, uh, surgeons of different kinds, different specialties, anesthesiologists with different uh, directions and specialties, nurses from the different departments, very important for the enhanced recovery protocols to, to actually work in different places. And of course, uh, a lot of different allied health professionals, physios, uh, dietitians, so forth. We are also forming a group of managers, which is really, really interesting. So we're open up a really good conversation with people who take decisions in hospitals and have them take part of our, our uh, activities and our congresses and so forth. So we open up the dialogue. Uh, it's from all over the world. We have a, a, an annual congress, uh, this one coming up in Stockholm, and welcome to join us. It's the end of May. All the data on the web website. Um, and uh, we, uh, we also support a number of events and symposiums and conferences around the world. There are a number of national societies, ERAS USA, for example, ERAS UK, ERAS Philippines, Sweden, etc. And we, we support all of these events as well. Um, so it's multi-professional, but also multi-specialty. So within the society, we have specialty groups meeting at the, and working together, developing the guidelines, uh, building research platforms, etc. So it's a uh, we're just trying to provide the the basis for all of this, and it, it's uh, and then hope that we uh, we can help deliver what the leaders of these different groups actually need. Well, Dr. Lundquist has been an absolute pleasure. Are there any closing remarks you would like to make? Well, I just hope that um, we can see ERAS and the principles of uh, working together multi-professionally and, uh, and, uh, and, and help take the uh, development of, of surgery and uh, surgical disciplines forward even better. That's our goal. Well, thank you so much for providing this information on this very important topic of enhanced recovery after surgery. 
It's been a pleasure speaking to Dr. Ali Lundquist, professor of surgery at the University of Örebro at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden.